from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Welcome back to The Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Hope you are well. Hope those you love are also doing well. Ah, oh, it's another what we've been calling the hodgepodge hour. Uh, when you do three of these over a weekend, you don't really have time to think about potentially better names, um, which is just fine. And uh, so, you know, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. And sometimes that's what matters. Sometimes it's just the fun that is the important thing. The joy. In, in the joy of booking or the joy of podcasting. Uh, it is late February as I record this last weekend of February. Uh, we are five or six, depending. Five, maybe. I don't know. Five or six weeks away from WrestleMania. Um, and, you know, Brandon Banks had suggested to me that I sort of fantasy book um, a Wrestlemania. And I don't know how much of that I will do, but I do want to sort of look at the card right now, late February. Um, because this will come out for you mid-March. And so I'm interested to know how I do. Because rather than book, you know, Rather than book what I want to see, which is sometimes what I do usually in the fall, like six months out, um, I'll book what is likely going to happen. And I think on, a, on for, for me it was a recent DDT, probably for you a couple weeks ago, but for me it was recent. Um, we said something about how wouldn't it be great if WrestleMania was just automatically a non-canon show? Now, what does that mean? What if WrestleMania was something that happened and you didn't have to worry about storylines? And I think, again, I could be totally wrong. I pretty much automatically forget about what we talk about uh, right after we stop recording. Um, it may have come out uh, in terms of the Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes issues. We spend months and months and months uh, telling this Sami Zayn in the Bloodline story, and it organically becomes much bigger than I think anyone wanted it to be. Well, that's not true. Sami probably wanted it to be, but more than anyone expected it to be. When when Sammy says, you know, he's not feeling oozy or what have you, uh, it was just, it's, it's been a beautiful, beautiful story. And so we come to a point where, you know, that beautiful, beautiful story, is, is the payoff that everybody wants, the payoff that the fans want, uh, is for Sammy Zayn to... Uh, reject the bloodline or get betrayed by the bloodline. I think we were happy either way and be the person to vanquish Roman Reigns, be the person to end this 900 some odd day streak. That's the storyline that people wanted. And, you know, there's so many different directions that I could take this. I could go in the direction of, um, What is best for business, to use the term? Uh, how often do you give the fans what they want in order to be best for business? Uh, I am sure someone could make an argument that the Daniel Bryan story or the Kofi Kingston story may not have necessarily been best for business. Maybe there's a world in which 
you know, Batista coming back and winning that Rumble and taking on Hunter at WrestleMania on his own would have worked out better. I don't know. I don't think I would make those arguments, but I'm sure you could. Um, the fans love Sami Zayn. And the fact that you had a pay-per-view in Canada, in Montreal, in his backyard, essentially, you know, he kept saying in the backstage moments, this is my WrestleMania, this is my WrestleMania. He main evented a major premiere live event in a title match um, and looked good doing it. Uh, that alone is a huge deal. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into the deserves a WrestleMania moment. I am of the opinion, getting back to the canon and non-canon, because I'm kind of rambling here, but that's what this section of the hodgepodge hour is. I am of the opinion that uh, WrestleMania should be a chance to reward the best competitors and storytellers um, of the past year. I actually don't like that Logan Paul, as naturally talented a pro wrestler as Logan Paul is, and everyone says that's the case. I don't like that Logan Paul is going to waltz his way in, um, despite, yes, there was part of the story told at the Rumble, and have a main event match with... Uh, Seth Rollins. And I use main event in air quotes. Featured match. Big time match. I am of the opinion, and I believe this opinion is probably wrong, but I am of the opinion that that spot should go to someone who has been putting in the work day in, day out. Chad Gable, Montez Ford, and Angelo Dawkins... Um, I, I will blank, but those are the names that immediately come to mind. Those guys, um, I'm trying to think of somebody from SmackDown like that, and I am drawing a blank. We're going to get probably a, you know, a Mysterio thing, but Judgment Day as a whole, all of them. Rhea Ripley's going to get her shot against Charlotte Flair. Would have rather seen Rhea against Bianca personally, but I'm okay with it. Um, Rhea Ripley, that was, that was the story done right. She was the only person I thought that should win that rumble. No one else made sense. She is doing the work. She is in a big time story. She is borderline the leader of that stable, which is impressive in and of itself. She has made Dominic Mysterio a legit, uh, part of a pro wrestling angle, which is an achievement in and of itself. Um, she needed to win that Royal Rumble. She needed to go to WrestleMania. They did that part right. Cody Rhodes. I'm not a huge Cody Rhodes guy. Never have been. But you can't tell me that this wasn't part of the deal that led to them signing him. Cody, you're going to come in. You're going to wrestle. You're going to win the Rumble. You're going to wrestle Roman Reigns. I doubt they told him he would win, but this has to be part of the deal. Because otherwise, how do you not have Sammy part of the Rumble in some form or fashion? Now, I get it. They did the main event very well at the Rumble, which led to Sami Zayn's thing. But <sighs> Cody can make Paul Heyman cry if he wants to. Paul Hay or Cody Rhodes can come out and talk about how much he deserves this and his family deserves this all he wants to. But when I look at Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes here at the end of February, there is no reason for them to wrestle each other. And maybe this is a sign that... Uh, do we need the rumble winner to like the I'm always a, a I'm always a believer that the the feud should lead to the gimmick match not the gimmick match leading to a feud 
I, I think a Hell in a Cell match is reserved for when two people, you know, can't take it anymore. Their feud has gotten so crazy it needs to be settled in Satan's structure. You want to put Finn Balor and Edge in a Hell in a Cell match because they've been feuding with each other all year? I think that's a great idea. I hope they do that. I hope that someday on Wikipedia I will see Edge versus Finn Balor, Hell in a Cell. That makes a lot of sense. You keep the Judgment Day out. You keep Beth Phoenix out. It is Edge. It is Finn. Um, you want to add a retirement stipulation in there? Go for it. I don't care about that part. Um, but this is a case in which the gimmick of the Rumble is leading to Cody Rhodes getting this title shot. That if the match will be good, I'm sure the story will be good, but we haven't been going in that direction. Had Cody not torn his pec, had Cody been healthy, had Cody been able to wrestle all of 2022, we probably would be heading in a story that goes that way, but he didn't. He got hurt. This is the problem with a WrestleMania wall, whether it's my wall or a bulletin board in a WWE office somewhere. If you are penciling in in June, Cody versus Roman at WrestleMania, and then Cody gets hurt in June, you got to change that card. It would make more sense for me for Cody to wrestle Rollins. Second WrestleMania in a row. You know, kind of finish that feud properly. Cody, hey, all the credit for wrestling. I think it was a Hell in a Cell match with a torn pec. All the credit in the world. Stupid decision. But all the credit in the world for doing it. But that doesn't mean you get this opportunity. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. As good as it will be, that adding the Paul Heyman wrinkle, talking about Dusty in 2000, that was a great element. You legit made Paul Heyman almost cry, if not actually cry. That was great. But Roman's not even part of the puzzle. The issue now is the bloodline. The big story happening over there is the bloodline. And, you know, yes... I think we get Sammy and Kevin Owens versus the Usos in some form or fashion for the tag titles, and that's great. Sammy and Kevin Owens, best friends, um, winning tag gold at WrestleMania, awesome. I actually don't have a problem with that element. It's just, that's the big story right now. Roman's not part of the, like, Roman's going to show up and try to put the bloodline back together. Roman's going to show up and confront Jey Uso. Cody Rhodes doesn't have anything to do with that. So why is that match happening? Now, as we wrap up, because I want to get to the other things we said we would do on my hodgepodge out. Now, if you want to tell me that Roman's going to wrestle twice, it is a two-night event. If you want to tell me that Roman's going to wrestle Cody, but then Roman's going to wrestle Sammy or Jay, if Roman's going to settle bloodline business night one and then wrestle Cody night two, all of my complaints go away. All of my complaints go away. You are honoring the story that you're being told and then you were doing the gimmick thing, and that's great. And then that gives you an opportunity for Cody to win. Because not only has Roman wrestled the night before, but he's not focused on you, Cody Rhodes. He's trying to fix the family. And you come in, kind of the wild card with the stupid neck tattoo. You come in, and you upset the champ. That, to me, is better storytelling. Because now you're the champion, and if Glenn said that, you know, Roman's going to take six months off or whatever, of course he should. Then if Roman comes back, now 
you can do a rematch because Roman says, I wasn't focused on you before, but now I'm staring right at you. You're the only thing I'm focused on. Give me my belt back. That's a good story. That is good booking. Speaking of good booking, we have some trios matches to do here, my loves. Uh, we've been doing a trios tournament, and by doing, I mean we got through two whole matches. Um, we're doing a trios tournament. I've got brackets. You know how much I love brackets. Uh, some of these trios are for realsies. Some of these trios are completely made up. Uh, in our first night of action, uh, the Masked Marvels, Ray, Liger, and Ultimo Dragon, uh, defeated the Death Triangle. And then in a fantastic match, uh, the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, Typhoon, and the Hurricane, defeated probably my favorite name of a team, Showbojo. Big Show, Bo Dallas, Samoa Joe. Uh, now I have some GM points to play with. I left last week's show with 18. What I'm going to do, spontaneous decision. I've got my two 20-sided dice here. I'm going to roll these two 20-sided dice. And whichever multiple of three I am closest to with these dice will be how many points I give myself. So if I roll a seven and a three, that's a 10. The closest multiple of three is nine. I give myself nine points. If I roll a 37, I give myself 36 points and I feel very good indeed. So I am hoping for high numbers here. I actually want 39 or 40. I got 12, exactly a 12, which is a perfect multiple of three. So I will take it. So I am starting off uh, this episode with 30 GM points that I can choose to use or not use, uh, as the case may be. Uh, my trios list, I moved the four teams we've already seen off to the side. I've re-randomized. Everything is redacted. The first team is what is called the Snake Pit. Now, right away, you think you know. You're like, all right, Joe... No, not Joe. Jake, Austin, Viper, Orton. That might be it. Honestly, I don't remember. Uh, I think I'm using Austin elsewhere, and I'm trying to use many of these wrestlers only once, but let's find out. We've got Roberts. We've got Orton. And instead of the rattlesnake, will you accept a cobra? Because I got Santino there. I got Jake, I got Orton, I got Santino. I've got, oh, that makes me happy. I've got 100 hit points to give to the three of them. Or, yeah, the three of them. There are three. Uh, I think what I'll do is I'll give Jake 35, I'll give Orton 40, and I'll give Santino 25. So that's the first team, the Snake Pit. They are taking on the Myths. M-Y-T-H, the Myths. Who are the Myths, you ask? The Yete, Beth Phoenix, and Loch Ness. Because we're dealing with mythical characters. The Loch Ness Monster, the Phoenix, and the Yete. So we've got Beth. We've got the Yete. And we've got Loch Ness. The fact that I'm going to get to see a world in which uh, we get Santino. Now, we get Santino and the Glamazon. So there's a story there. But the, I want to see Santino against uh, the Yeti. That's what I'm waiting for here. So that's where we're at. Roll for advantage. Uh, the myths will go first. Oh, I have to assign hit points. I have 100 uh, to play with. I don't think I'm going to give all of them. I will do this. I'll give 40 to Beth Phoenix, and I'm going to give 25 each to the Yete and to Loch Ness. All right? So uh, the Snake Pit does have the advantage points-wise, as they should. Uh, let's see. Who is starting 
For the Myths, it will be Loch Ness. Who is starting for the Snake Pit? It will be Jake Roberts. So Loch Ness and Jake Roberts starting this match off. And Loch Ness coming out strong, 15 hit points. Uh, Jake is immediately down to 20. Jake responds with a 7. Loch Ness is down to 18. Loch Ness tags in the Yeti. Uh, Jake Roberts stays in the ring. The Yeti with a 14. Jake is down to 6. Jake responds with only 2 points of attack. How do you beat the Yeti? The myths are so strong. Yeti is only down to 23. Jake tags in Orton. The Yeti tags back in Loch Ness. So we've got Loch Ness versus Orton. Once again, Loch Ness gets the first roll. That is a 9. Orton is down to 31. Orton responds with a 17, taking him almost completely out. Our RKO for a 2-count. Loch Ness is down to only 1 point. Loch Ness tags the Yeti back in. Orton tags in Santino, and I finally get it. Santino versus the Yeti. The Yeti with 13 points. Santino is down to a 12. Santino, another two. You can't stop the Yeti. You can only hope to contain him. Seems impervious to pain. Uh, the Yeti tags back in Loch Ness, which is a mistake. Santino stays in. Loch Ness with a seven. Santino is down to five. But Santino pulls the Cobra on, hits Loch Ness. Loch Ness is our first elimination. Loch Ness by Santino. The logical thing would be for Beth to come in next. That would be the story. And she does. And she hits a nine. So Santino celebrating. Turns around to see Beth Phoenix. Probably screams. Tries to get her, you know, attention. Maybe even like lays down and says, just come on and pin me. She helps him up. They hug. You know, Santino turns to the crowd. Glam slam. Santino is eliminated by Beth Phoenix. I can tell a story, my friends. I can tell a story. Jake comes in. Jake hits nine points on Beth. Beth is down to 31. Will Beth tag? No. She stays in. She hits four points on Jake. That brings Jake down to a two. His hit points were pretty low. Jake stays in he is so weak he barely can do anything hits her with a weakest short arm clothesline only one point of damage beth is down to 30 does she tag no and one more glam slam and now jake is eliminated so J beth phoenix on her own has eliminated santino and jake roberts now in comes orton Orton finally doing something. 13 points of damage. Beth is down to a 17. We still got the Yeti, though. Does she tag? Now she tags. So Orton versus the Yeti. The Yeti, 16. My word. The Yeti is just... He must be El Gigante in disguise because he is just killing it right now. Orton is down to a 15... Orton manages to hit his own, finally finding some chinks in the armor, probably goes for the legs of the Yeti, hits 15 points of damage there. The Yeti is down to six. Will the Yeti tag? He tags Beth back in. Beth with a 15. I'm not going to use any GM points for this. Orton is out. Beth Phoenix all on her own eliminates all three members of the snake pit and what could only be considered an upset the myths advance in our trios tournament
Uh, these take a while. I can see now if I stick to my hodgepodge hour guidelines. Uh, I'm supposed to move on in five minutes, but we're doing another one, gosh darn it. We are doing another one. I give myself three more GM points. Now I'm up to 33. Who's our next team? It is the church. It is the church. Now, who or what is in the church? We have Reverend Devon, Friar Ferguson, and the Pope, D'Angelo De Niro. We've got Devon. We've got Friar. We've got the Pope. I can't give 100 GM points or 100 hit points here. I will give 35 to Devon. That's as high as I'm willing to go. 25 to Friar, maybe 30 to the Pope. Uh, so that's a total of what? Oh, wait, 35. Maybe I'm using all my hit points here. No, I'm not. I'm using 90. And the church is taking on the Underground Swerve Glory. What the heck is that? That's Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, and Willie Mack. So Lucha Underground, because uh, Mack teamed with Killshot, who is Swerve. And then we've got Swerve in our glory. So underground, this is going to be hard to write, underground Swerve glory. So we've got Swerve. We've got Lee. We've got Willie Mack. I'm going to give Mack a 30, and I will give 35 to Lee and uh, swerve. So, once again, a little bit of an edge to uh, swerve in our, or the underground swerve glory, but that didn't stop. The myths won. So, just saying. Uh, underground swerve glory will start us off. Uh, let's see here. Keith Lee starting us off against Friar Ferguson. Uh, Keith Lee, recent episode of Rampage, wearing a coat that made everybody think he was doing some religious gimmick. So, Maybe, maybe that's where we're getting here. L and F starting us off. Keith Lee, natural 20, right off the bat, beating the heck out of Friar Ferguson. Friar Ferguson immediately down to a five right away. But Friar Ferguson rolls a natural 20. Two nat 20s in a row. Uh... That's a big old hoss fight if you've got Friar Ferguson and Keith Lee. Uh, Friar's down to five. Keith Lee's down to 15. Keith Lee will tag in uh, Willie Mack. And Friar Ferguson tags in the Pope. So Willie Mack and the Pope are up now. A third natural 20. That's three 20s in a row. The Pope is down to 10. What a hard-hitting match. Can we see four? Can we see four? No, but we got a 15, which is pretty good. Pope and Willie Mack beating the tar out of each other, too. Uh, Willie Mack down to 15. Willie Mack chooses to stay in the ring, and so does the Pope. When we roll that, multiples of three are, you know, we just count. Never mind. You don't need to worry about it. Willie Mack with a 15. He takes out the Pope. I love Willie Mack, so I'm A-okay with that. Pope is the first one eliminated. That brings in D Reverend Devon. Reverend Devon could take out Willie Mack with a 15 or higher, but it's only a 3. So Mack is down to 12. He tags Keith Lee back in. Keith Lee with a 15. My word, Keith Lee taking people out left and right. Devon uh, choosing to stay in. He hits a 7, so Lee is down to 8 hit points. Lee tags in Swerve. First time we're seeing Swerve Strickland in our match here. He gets Devon for 6. Devon's down to a 14. Devon, again, chooses to stay in, not wanting Friar Ferguson in his 5 points in the ring. He hits a 14. Swerve is down to a 21. Swerve will tag Lee back in. Lee only able to do one point of damage. Lee's hurting. 
Devon staying in. He's not going anywhere. 19. That is all she wrote for Keith Lee. Taken out by Reverend Devon. That brings in Swerve again. Swerve with a three. Devon's down to 10. It's going slow, but it's going. Devon finally tags in Friar Ferguson. Ferguson hits a four, which brings Swerve down to 17. Swerve stays in and hits just enough to take out Friar Ferguson. So Devon and his 10 hit points all alone against Willie Mack and Swerve. I don't remember what they called themselves in Lucha Underground, but that was fun. I miss Lucha Underground sometimes. Uh, Devon comes in and hits a six, which drops Swerve to 11. Swerve stays in, hits a seven. Devon is down to three, but they can't finish the job. Speaking of, that's an 11, a 13. That should take Swerve out. Where's the Mac? Max at 12. All right, we'll go with it. I won't use any points. Swerve is eliminated by Devon. That means Willie Mac coming in. He's just got to roll a three or higher. It's another natural 20. Willie Mac putting him away. Uh, that means that Swerve, Underground Swerve Glory, USG, defeats the church and advances to take on the myths. Limitless versus the myths. Uh, this is going to take a real long time if we're only doing two of these uh, an episode. So we're going to have to figure that out. But that was fun. That was so many natural 20s. My goodness. All right there, friends. That concludes our trios segment. Uh, we're making some, making some headway, having some fun with that. Uh, I don't have a random question generator up, and that is something I like to do. I like this one, right? This is the right one? I do. Let's see. Generate a question. I already did the mayor of your city. I already did what board game I like. The, oh, so these questions are kind of the same. Let's do... Oh, they have categories. I didn't know they had categories. Uh, weird. Let's do weird. Refresh. What's the size of your shoes? Very good question. Weird question generator. Um, I have very wide feet. Uh, so much so that... If I wanted to get, if I wanted to go to a regular shoe store and buy shoes, I would probably have to buy shoes multiple, multiple sizes bigger, longer, um, just to accommodate the width. Um, I wear an 11 and a half 6E, which is a specialty type of uh, shoe size that. Um, exists. I order my shoes special through a catalog. I'm very proud of it, obviously. Um, it's possible I will have to go up to an 8E. Uh, they just recently added that. And the reason why is because I think the 6E is a little smaller than it used to be. Um, and I tend to have to get, I've been up to like a 12. That's probably not as long. It's too long. I ordered a couple of pairs of 12 shoes and like I'm wearing clown shoes, essentially. Like, my toe ends a good two or three inches before the shoe ends, and that just makes for trouble. So that is the size of my shoe. Weird random question generator. Let's do a creative question now. What were your childhood pets? I don't see how that's a creative question, but okay. Um, let's see. There was a dog named Katie. Uh, there was a cat named Ralph. Ralph was female, but I got to name her when I was young enough to not understand gender, so I named her Ralph. Uh, there was a dog named Pepper, who my parents said ran away. I believe that to be a lie. I believe they either gave it away or it died. And then, as we've talked about, I'm sure, we started this long trend of white German shepherds. There was Snowball. Um, snowball right around, I want to say like my 13th birthday, 12th, no, it would have been 12th, 12th birthday. No, 
it might have been 13th, somewhere in the 95, 96 uh, area. Um, there was uh, an old set of historic railroad tracks near where I grew up. And I could, you know, so my dad and I would walk down, get on the railroad tracks. The railroad things had gone. It was just a path now, historic trail. Um, and you could walk behind the neighbors across my street's property. There was like a river there and, you know. And so we went and just sort of hung out and the dog came with us. Um, and then we came home and I believe the dog wanted to go back. And so tried to cross the road and didn't quite make it. We lived on what would be considered one of the two main streets in the little town I grew up in. Um, and people would come down the hill, you know, much too fast and uh, Snowball didn't make it. So I remember being sent over to my neighbor's house while my parents took care of the fact that the dog had gotten hit by a car. I remember seeing like a blue tarp over in the road. Um, I don't remember seeing the dog. Uh, I do remember my grandmother died December. I want to say it's the 12th, but I could be wrong on that. December of 95. Uh, my grandmother passes away from cancer. I was 12, almost 13. Um, and she had been sick for so long that that didn't phase me a whole lot. Um, I remember, again, apologies if I'm telling stories multiple times. I was in middle school band. Uh, the phone rings. My teacher, lovely band teacher, goes to get it, and I just start packing my stuff up. For some reason, I knew that that phone call was, and I think I'm sure uh, that I had been prepped ahead of time by my parents to just let me know, look, your grandmother's probably going to pass in the next few days. Just be ready. We'll come get you if that happens. Um, and so I packed up my trumpet. And she gets off the phone and turns around and I'm standing like right in front of her. And she's like, you've got it. And I was like, I know. And I left. Um, and my, you know, parents were concerned of how I would take it. And I was uh, fine is not the right word, but she had been sick for so long that my grandmother had like I had lost my grandmother a, a while ago. I vividly remember going to visit her in the nursing home and her not remembering my name or much about me. And that was the last time I went to visit her. My parents didn't let me go or didn't have me go back after that because at that point she was too far gone. Um, and I remember this because I cried when the dog died. I did not cry when my grandmother died. And I felt guilty about that. And I had to learn the difference between a sudden unexpected death and a death that you can prepare for. Um, way to be morbid, creative question generator. Uh, after Snowball 1 was Snowball 2, because my parents have issues letting go. Um, and then uh, she passed away. And then there was Snow, which was the third one. And now there's Pearl, because they've gotten four German Shepherds in a row, because my parents are crazy people. Uh, let's do a funny question, and then let's move on to my list, my list, what, what, my list. Uh, do frogs have ears? That's a deep question, random question maker. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't funny. That's deep. Do frogs have ears? I'm going to guess that, yes, they have some manner of hearing, but I'm Googling it. Do frogs have ears? They do not have external ears, but they do have eardrums and an inner ear. It's called a tympanum, which is where we get the word timpani from. And it is the circle you see behind a frog's eye. I did not know that. I learned something today, but that is not the type of funny question I wanted. That was just a deep one. Give me another one. If you were a worm, how long? No. If I was a worm, how long would you be? That's inappropriate. Candid. What time do I normally go to bed? Very, very, very early. Um, it is rare that I am up past 10. I'll say that. It is rare that I'm awake past 10 o'clock. Uh, I go to bed early. I get up early. And I'm happy with that. Let's move to my list. My list. What, what, my list. And of course, he says... Now, a week or so after 
he said, my list, my list, what, what, my list. Of course, you know, we're doing even more time traveling than usual. In this episode, Hodgepodge Hour 3, I began to take my list, my list, what, what, my list. And I began to put these wrestlers into tiers. I began to make a tier list. And for this episode and then two other segments after that, I was making tiers. <clears throat> and... I quickly learned that I had way too many tiers because for those who don't know, a tier list usually is A, B, C, D, F, and then I think S is at the top. And then I, within very short order, had like 15 different tiers and I was still coming up with more because I still didn't feel like I had enough uh, classifications. And it began to get so unwieldy that I thought to myself, Self, this is not how this is going to work because if I keep this up, I'm eventually going, you know, by the time I get 200 wrestlers on my list, I'm going to have 192 categories. Um, and so I scrapped all of that. But what happened as a result is that I no longer remember the list that I made back before, because I'd have to go back and find that, um, you know, post history. I'd have to find the history in the, uh, in the Google sheet, which I suppose I could do. I suppose I could go back in time and find that. Hold on. Do I have that? I don't even remember where we left. I'm going to just start over. You know what? I'm going to start over. So, uh, I assume that my list that I'm going to start making this episode will be uh, similar to the one I made in the previous episode. You, at this point, are used to me, you know, starting over and changing my mind midway through. This is old hat uh, for the DC Matthews experience at this point. So uh, let's now begin. I have... Uh, I think I had somewhere around 45 wrestlers that were in tiers, um, some from that initial Ring of Honor show or other Ring of Honor shows that I had seen, some from randomly pulled cards over the years. So I've redacted that list and randomized it, and we're just going to start from there. So uh, forgive me if you've been keeping notes. Just throw those notes away. I do that all the time. Throw those notes away and start a new page. Our first two names, because it doesn't make sense to do one name. We have to start the names. We have Brian XL from Ring of Honor. And we have Xavier from Ring of Honor. So these are both wrestlers from that initial uh, Ring of Honor show, February 2002. Also the second show, March 2002. So early Ring of Honor, guys. Um, and it is very clear to me that Xavier uh, needs to be higher uh, than Brian XL. Xavier is a better wrestler. Xavier has more, um, you know, he has the look uh, more. He has, you know, he's he's a better all-around talent. Brian XL does some cool flippy stuff, uh, but he's not very good at it. He has no charisma whatsoever. Um, you know, I think he he's just happy that he says the word biatch sometimes. Uh, so Xavier's above Brian XL. Let's move on. Uh, Apollo Crews. Well, Apollo Crews belongs at the top right now. Apollo Crews clearly better uh, by, again, most of my metrics. I'm sure we'll discuss those metrics as we go. Uh, so Apollo Crews is now above Xavier and Brian XL. Next up is Jinder Mahal, uh, the modern day Maharaja. This is from, I want to say, like a main event show or something. Um, I have, in case I didn't mention it, I don't remember which episode I mentioned this in, I have a document that just gives me random shows from the WWE Network. I go look up those shows, and those are the wrestlers. Um, so once I get this list made, I have a ton of other wrestlers um, waiting to be ranked. But the, I'm going to get this, the group. Actually, I suppose it doesn't matter. I suppose it doesn't matter because I deleted three episodes 
And by that, I mean segments. It was less than an hour of content, but I deleted all that. So I suppose it really doesn't matter. So I could throw it all together, but I'm just going to keep. You don't care. You don't care. Just keep naming. Um, gender, I rank above Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews is a better... Um, See, here's where we get into the metrics. Is he a better wrestler? Um, he fits more in a Ring of Honor style, I suppose. Is he a better sports entertainer? No. Um, and I like Jinder more. I like Jinder more. Apollo Crews hasn't given me anything to like yet. He's got supreme talent. He's got a great look. Um, the weird Nigerian accent gimmick fell flat for me. Um... I think he's probably doing better in NXT right now, but I'm not watching NXT right now, so I can't say for sure. Uh, so I'm putting Jinder above. So Jinder currently at the top. We'll see how long that lasts. Next up, The Amazing Red. I like The Amazing Red. Um, the Amazing Red is quite good. Uh, way above Brian XL. Brian XL is sort of the... Uh, they both dress very similarly. They both obviously come from the same, I don't know, training school or whatever. They both have the same in-ring style. Um, there's a lot you can compare it to there. Um, you know, if they wanted to wrestle as some sort of like Gemini sort of thing, not actually twins, but just in terms of, you know, wearing like kind of the same colors, but just slightly different, you know. One wears a red shirt and black pants, has the one that has black shirt and red pants or what have you. Uh, the Amazing Red's right in the middle of the pack here for me. Um, he has more skill than Xavier and Brian XL for sure. Uh, not as good as Apollo and Jinder. So that takes care of Amazing Red. We're sticking with Ring of Honor here. Now we have the Boogie Knights. Now don't get excited. This is not Disco and Alex Wright. This is a Mark Tobin or Mike Tobin and David Drake. David Drake looks like, um, I can never remember his name, Marty Skrull. Looks a lot like Marty Skrull. Um, this is a jobber tag team that lost to the Natural Born Sinners, Homicide and Boogaloo. We'll talk more about them. Uh, the Boogie Knights... I can't think of a thing that I enjoyed about them at all. The backstage segment was dumb. Uh, they didn't do anything wrestling-wise that was exciting. Not a fan of the Boogie Knights. They go at the bottom of my list right now. They won't be the worst, that's for sure. Uh, but they're at the bottom of the list so far. My list. My list. What, what, my list. Paul London. Now, Paul London is an interesting case. I am sure I have said... That as I watch these Ring of Honor shows, there are going to be wrestlers that sort of go up and down. I've seen enough of Amazing Red that I probably am pretty confident in where how I feel about him. Paul London, I'm not so sure. Uh, he's a great athlete. I know that. He's a fun wrestler. I know that. Um, not a huge amount of personality that I've seen. I know he did the White Rabbit thing in Lucha Underground, but I never saw that, so I can't speak a lot on it. And I know he had a long career in WWE as part of the Tag Team Champions with Brian Kendrick, but I didn't see a lot of that either. Um, so for me, I'm going, you know, on what I think I know about Paul London. And as I watch Ring of Honor, if he appears more, or if I get into my... Uh, WWE quests. I'm debating getting rid of watching Raw and SmackDown and just watching the uh, pay-per-views. That would make life a little easier. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think Paul London for me is, again, I have six wrestlers. I think he goes in the middle. I think overall I will eventually rank him higher than uh, Amazing Red for right now. I don't know that I can do that. So I think I'm putting him like fourth out of the seven. So he's right in the middle. Um, yeah, I, I feel good about that. And an interesting name next, we get Heath Slater. Um, you know, we've had a lot of wrestlers in this group, your Xavier's, your, your Apollo Crews, who have in-ring skills to some extent. Um, the, the, the mic skills, the personality is lacking. And now we have Heath Slater, who has 
personality for days and is decent on the mic. Um, but I've never considered to be a real good wrestler. He's average at best. Now, you can be an average at best wrestler and be good on the mic and have a very successful career. Um, look at the road dog. And Heath Slater's probably better than the road dog in the ring. And the road dog, people love the road dog. I don't, but people love the road dog. Um, but this is my list and my metrics are always going to lean a little more towards the in-ring than not. So for me, Heath Slater goes right under Paul London. So right now he is fifth of eight. Um, yeah, so he would go he would go below Paul London, above Xavier. Xavier isn't that good in the ring yet. The second match he had, which was with, oh goodness, was it with Nunzio? The second match he had with James Maritato was way better than his match with Scoot. But, uh, but yeah, we'll put Heath Slater at five. Chris Marvel. Now, Chris Marvel wrestles Paul London in that second uh, Ring of Honor show. And Chris Marvel has uh, a real auspicious uh, claim to fame. That match ends within two minutes because Paul London hits an acai moonsault. Marvel's outside the ring, obviously. Um, and somehow Chris Marvel breaks his leg to the point where it's, his feet are pointing in opposite directions. Like one's pointing the regular way, the other's pointing backwards. So it's a real scary moment. That match ends. Marvel suffers a legitimate injury. I don't know if we ever see him in Ring of Honor again. So that's a real auspicious uh, claim to fame. But it does put him, oops, it does put him uh, as better than the Boogie Knights because the Boogie Knights have no claim to fame. So I'll put Chris Marvel at, you know, second to last at this point. Um, next up, Nunzio, James Maritato. Little Guido, call him what you will. Uh, these are my type of wrestlers, you know. A cruiserweight who wrestles a submission style, your Drew Gulaks, your Dean Malenkos. This is my this is my wheelhouse. So much. Oh. Is it enough to put him above Jinder? Do I hinder Jinder and put little Guido ahead of him? I don't think I do. With with love and respect to Nunzio, um, I don't think I do. And part of that is the full-blooded Italian shtick. And I don't know, if, is shtick a culturally insensitive word to use? It might be. So my apologies. Um, the gimmick of the full-blooded Italians did very little for me. And I think that kind of detracts from the fact that James Maritato, as he talks about in the promo on the second Ring of Honor show, is a legitimate shoot fighter and a legitimate badass. Uh, that's going to put him second. He'll be second. And I'll actually use his, no, I'll call him Nunzio Maritato. Uh, yeah, he'll be second, which is still pretty good. Still pretty good on my list. All right, next up we have, we're cruising now. Bo Dallas. I mean, come on. It's Bo Dallas. Um, I know people are sour on the Bray Wyatt Uncle Howdy thing, which is fine. You're always going to be sour on Bray Wyatt. That's just, it's it's an accepted uh, reality that wrestling fans um, will, will tire of Bray Wyatt. Uh, it just always seems to happen. It's happened since the very beginning, I feel like uh, it's just something that's that's going to happen. I love Bo Dallas. Uh, he is the tier we would have used for him uh, was the DC's T. You know, Bo Dallas and Jinder Mahal are both examples of that. That's my cup of tea. That's the type of wrestler I enjoy. Bo Dallas, wrestle silly, personified, decent enough in the ring. But just, I, I enjoy Bo Dallas. And the fact that he is likely Uncle Howdy uh, just makes it even better. So Bo Dallas, for me, new number one on the list. Uh, Ikaika Loa. I may have talked about Ikaika Loa in, in the previous episode. Um, Ikaika Loa wrestled teaming with... 
did he team with Michael Shane against Oz and uh, Spanky? I think that's what happened. Um, Ikaikaloa is was just there. There was a category I think I had for wrestlers who were just there. He literally was just there. He did nothing. Like, there's no move I remember. He probably did a shoulder block, but he is just your vanilla. He's a he's a generic placeholder. Um, that's enough for, like, third from the bottom. I'll put him above Chris Marvel because he actually had the chance to wrestle a little. I'll put him above Boogie Nights. Chris Marvel, at least, you know... One argument you could make is you remember Chris Marvel. Uh, you're not going to remember Ikaikaloa. Um, but I'll put him at third from the bottom. I haven't numbered this yet. So we'll, we'll number it after we go. And I'm keeping an eye on it. I want to end around an hour like we've been promising. Brian Kendrick. Spanky. Um, I like Brian Kendrick. The Spanky stuff, just, you know, being weird and brushing his teeth while the Pennsylvania Athletic Commissioner's talking and all. Like, I like Spanky. I respect the heck out of the fact that he's had the length of career that he has. Um, I don't love him. Uh, I say I would definitely take Bo Dallas and Jinder and Nunzio. I think I'd even take Apollo Crews. I'd put him above Paul London, though, and I'll even put him above... Uh, I'll put him above Amazing Red because I do want to honor uh, those lengthy careers. Uh, so right now he would be fifth. He's fifth in between Apollo Crews and Amazing Red. Darren Young of the Primetime, best known as being part of the Primetime Players, also part of the Nexus. Um one of the shows that I, you know, read the card for was a NXT show where it was still a game show. This is pre-Nexus. Um, Darren Young, I love the fact that he's having uh, success in the New Japan America, New Japan Strong. I think he is. He is he their champion? He might be. Uh, I love that for him. I, I'm interested. I would like to find a match of his to see. Uh, if he is markedly different from the Darren Young character, who for me was uh, bland. Titus was the star of that group, I thought. Um, I would put him above Xavier, but below Heath Slater, his, his nexus mate. Uh, I'd put him at... Uh, what number is this? Doesn't really matter. I'm putting him in the middle. He's, he's very close to being in the middle, in between Heath Slater and Xavier. Darren Young. Don't need to spend much more time talking about that. The Spanish announced team, the Maximo brothers, uh, Jose and Joel. Joel? Joel. Spanish is weird because it's Jose. You don't pronounce the J, but then it's Joel. I think you do pronounce the J. Doesn't matter. Um, I've never been a huge SAT fan. Um, the Spanish announced team, the Maximos, I understand they're talented. Don't get me wrong. But the SAT is the, you can make a direct line between the SAT and Generation Me. And anything that gives me Max and Jeremy Buck, I'm not going to like. Um, again, forgive me if I mention this, that, you know, the matches that are happening with SAT, Brian XL, uh, Divine Storm, um, they're spot fests. They're not wrestling matches. They're dances. And that's not the type of wrestling that I enjoy. Uh, so the SAT is better than Brian XL, but I don't think is better than anyone else on this list. So I'm putting them at 2, 4, 6, 8, 11th. 11th. They're 11th on the list right now. They're near the bottom. They're in the bottom third of this list. Uh, they're not, not my cup of tea. Not my thing. That was another category. Not my cuppa. Not my cup of tea. Zack Ryder, speaking of not my cup of tea, um, I have a lot of respect for Zack Ryder. I respect the fact that he got himself over in a world, in a wrestling world, that the, the powers that be did not need him to get over, did not probably want him to get over, and he did anyways. I do respect that. Um, I appreciate that he had a moment at WrestleMania with that Intercontinental title match. That's awesome. 
Um, there's a part of me that appreciates that he's gone off on his own and is making a name for himself, um, you know, outside the WWE. I, I, maybe by the time you listen to this, he's come back. That's the rumor is that he's going to be coming back uh, to WWE. I don't like the uh, King of the Death match thing. Again, that's another type of wrestling I don't particularly need. Um, I didn't like the Long Island bro persona. I don't need Jersey Shore. I don't ever want to watch Jersey Shore. Um, so I'm not a Zack Ryder guy. I can respect the the hustle. I can respect the talent. I'm not a Zack Ryder guy. So for me, I'm putting him in between these Nexus boys. Uh, I'm putting him under Heath Slater. I would rather watch Heath Slater than Zack Ryder. This is my personal preference. That's why this is a my list. You know, your list with these wrestlers is going to look very different, and that's okay. I encourage you. In fact, I invite you. I, I hope that you make you take these names, um, ask, I'll send you a copy of my current list, and you can redo it, and we can compare notes. I think that would be fun discussion. Uh, so yeah, Zack Ryder in the middle. A lot of these guys are going to be in the middle. Uh, Chris Devine of Divine Storm. There was Chris Devine and Quiet Storm. I love one of them. Um, I, I can take or leave the other one, and this is that one. Chris Devine is the one uh, that I can take or leave. Don't need him at all. Um, he's just there. You know, he has talent, but he's not a spot guy. He's the guy that the SAT does moves to, or Amazing Red does moves to, or Brian XL tries to do moves to. Um, so... I would put, I'll put him in between SAT and Brian XL because at least um, SAT does stuff. I can't tell you a single thing Chris Devine has done. He's probably done a dive, but that's just because I know how those matches work. He's probably done a dive. Um, so I'll put him, you know, again, bottom third. Jay Briscoe. Let's end with Jay Briscoe. Um, I, I, I have watched Ring of Honor. I am not an expert by any way of Ring of Honor. Um, so I have watched the first two Jay Briscoe matches. Uh, I believe I'm about to watch a third with the third Ring of Honor show. I think he takes on Tony Mamaluke in the opener. Um, Jay Briscoe 2002 version, vanilla, wearing a wrestling singlet, bald, no character whatsoever. Decent wrestler, no character. Obviously, that changes. Um, and obviously, uh, he's fantastic. He's Mr. Ring of Honor. Um, the fact that he passed away changes the narrative, obviously. Uh, and just the this is how this thing works. Um, we are going to hold him in hugely high esteem in part because he passed away and everyone shared these amazing stories. Should we have held him in this high esteem before? Yes, but nobody was telling us what a great guy he was. You know, maybe you saw him doing stuff with his daughters, but the, the outpouring of, of people who came just to talk about how happy he was to see wrestlers, you know, after a long time or the support he gave to younger guys. Um, he clearly belongs at the top of this list. I'm putting him above Bo Dallas. Um, and part of that is because I'm pretty sure the more I watch Ring of Honor and the later we get into Jay Briscoe's career and the more of the Jay Briscoe persona everybody in Ring of Honor and AEW loves, we see, the more I think I'm going to like him. But he's obviously a number one choice. Obviously. So... Uh, to end this episode, now that we are redoing my list, I am very content with my top three to end this episode. And that would be, oops, that would be uh, Jay Briscoe, Bo Dallas, Jinder Mahal. Now, I know the names that are going to appear, and you probably do too, because I think some of them came up in the last episode. 
So you know we're going to get the Fallen Angel. You know we're going to get Danielson. You know this top three is going to drastically change by next week. But as we, this is my list 2.0. This is the one I think we're going to stick with, I hope. Let me knock on that wood. Um, That's a great place as any, because this is a very Ring of Honor heavy uh, list, because a lot of the wrestlers were Ring of Honor people, because I'm watching it so much. Um, And so it makes sense to have our our first number one for this version, uh, BJ Briscoe makes perfect sense to me uh so we'll end it here we're a little over our hour as we would expect uh we've got 18 names uh we'll add more and uh the 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 amount of talent that we're going to be talking about here uh is pretty crazy and i'm okay with that because um i have strong opinions (laughs) on many of these wrestlers that you might think are uh clearly number one picks and i uh may disagree Uh, And I look forward to those conversations with you as we go. DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Uh, I'll see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking.